Welcome to Take a Wonder with Shebs, the show that features some of the biggest travel bloggers, TV and radio personalities and journalists from all around the world. Each show aims to take my guest on a wonder and uncover topics that may not be discussed on their platforms or in the media, whether that's the state of travel blogging and journalism as it is today, or whether there's enough diversity within the industry. Perhaps what impact technology and social media have had on content creation, or in general the impact of current affairs on the industry. I also try and find out the journey behind each individual's success, as this is more important to me than the actual travel. This episode aired on my YouTube channel on the 22nd of March 2021, and it's with Don't Forget to Move's Jules Hatfield and Christine Williams. During our discussion, Jules and Christine spoke to me about how they first met, what it took for them to have a successful blog, and why they started their podcast. Plus, we talked about some of their adventures and a few goals they may have for the future. Thank you very much for coming on, Jules and Christine. I really appreciate your time. Uh, how are you both? Doing Excellent. Good. Thanks yeah. so much for having us. Yeah, thanks for having us. Doing as, as well as we can be. Yeah. <laughs> and where about, say, you guys based? In San Francisco at the moment. So yeah. I grew up in the Bay Area and we've spent a lot of time in the San Francisco area and now we are living in the city. In terms of 2020, um, creatively, uh, what was it like? Obviously, you guys do a lot of traveling. Uh, what was it like not being able to travel? Difficult. We've been traveling for work and before that just for, I mean, we've been traveling for over 10 years now, uh, almost nine years together. And it's been a big part of our work. We're professional travel bloggers and content creators. So that's been a big part of, of what we do for the last sort of five or six years. And obviously being from two different countries, I'm from Melbourne, Christine's from California. And so, you know, we've always been on the roads. It's been very different. It's been a change to our normal routine, but it's been okay. I mean, we, we're pretty adaptable people. We, if anything, we enjoyed having a little bit of a base uh over the last i mean now we're getting a bit restless but we've enjoyed having a base to just sort of focus on other projects and yeah i mean you can always be creative whether you travel or not yeah we're pretty lucky because we had a trip at the beginning of the year to canada for two months we traveled around in our van and that was like right before the uh, all the lockdowns and everything so we got pretty lucky that we had that planned so we get to we got to do some traveling this year and get some content and you see some new places so we're lucky we had that but pretty much right when we got back to the bay area it was like full lockdown so that ended things pretty Mm. quickly are you okay on a financial level in terms of, because obviously if it's your full-time job, it's a lot of bloggers I've spoken to have have struggled and stuff. So how has it been for you guys? We survived. We survived. <laughs> we survived. Yeah. We just, you know, we just got to hustle and kind of have that entrepreneurial spirit. So pivoting, trying new things, starting new businesses, just always finding the next thing and, and yeah. we make it work. Yeah, we make it work. We're entrepreneurs at heart. So, you know, even though travel has been our main, a main jam for the last few years like we're always got little side projects going on and we always make it work Fab, and just to go back on how it all started for you because so Jules you said you're from Australia and I am and Christine you said you're obviously from San Francisco so uh where did well for yourselves where did travel come from? where did the love of travel start from and then what would you say was your most transformative travel 
I was pretty lucky in that my parents kind of instilled that sense of adventure and sense of travel at a young age. We used to do like a lot of road trips and kind of just get away whenever we had like a spring break or summer break. So I was pretty lucky in that we were just kind of like a sort of traveling kind of adventure family, I guess. Traveling circus. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. And then I studied abroad in, in college. I went to Spain. And pretty much after that, I was like, I have the travel bug. All I want to do is graduate, earn some money and start traveling traveling, which is basically what I did. And then I did a solo trip through Central America right after college, which was amazing. And then the next year I went to South America and started volunteering at an organization. And that's where I met Jules. Ta-da. Yeah. <laughs> Before you tell the story how you met, so Jules, write yourself, where, how, where did that, where did the travel begin for you then? For me, I guess it was a little bit of a late, I was maybe a little bit of a late bloomer. Australia, wasn't as much of a traveling country, at least, at least it didn't feel that way when I was younger. People didn't go off and do year-long trips like they do now, which is very common to meet Australians doing that. And I guess that's probably a combination of the fact that we're so far away and back then it was a lot more expensive to do. And and now it's a lot more accessible. And and so, yeah, it probably wasn't traveling as, lot, as much as a kid like outside of Australia because everything was so far away. But my grandparents used to travel a lot and they used, to, they used to always come back with little trinkets and little souvenirs from different places and tell stories. And I guess that's probably where, when I think back, where my, my not necessarily passion, but my sort of wanting to discover the world came from. Um, and then my first trip came through university when I was finishing off my international studies degree. I went over to Thailand and Southeast Asia for three months did some volunteer teaching there and yeah just as soon as I knew I would but as soon as I left Australia touched down in Bangkok for that first time and stepped out on the streets I just remember being such a sensory sort of overload and and just different smells and different temperature and everything and I just knew that I was going to fall in love with travel and I did and so I spent three months traveling around Southeast Asia and pretty much never stopped traveling since. In terms of going back how often do you go back to Australia? We'd like to try and go back at least once a year, but it's a little bit difficult at the moment. I haven't been, <clears throat> we haven't been back since, uh, for Christine, it's almost two years. And for myself, it's been about 18 months, but looking to try and get back soon. Christine, you mentioned that you guys met in, was it South America or was it Central America? You said, sorry. South America and Peru. How did you guys meet then there? So we were both traveling solo. I had just come from Brazil. I I had a friend meet me in Rio for Carnival, but I was traveling through South America by myself. And I really wanted to do something productive and give back to the communities. And uh, I was working in nonprofits back in San Francisco. So I wanted to connect with a a local organization in South America. So I found uh, an organization in Peru that sounded pretty cool. Um, that was working for relief um, after a big earthquake down there. So yeah, so I just signed myself up and and walked through the doors. And I think Jules and I both arrived like one day apart from each other. He had been to that organization before, like a couple years earlier. Uh, so yeah, and then we just became really good friends. We were working together. Mm-hmm. It was a very, you know, fast-paced relationship, I guess, because you are living together, you're working together, you're socializing together it's like you're together all the time it's like any sort of travel travel friendship really they're they're accelerated inside that travel bubble where you you are spending so much time with people that you have the chance and the opportunity to get to them so much quicker and you're also doing really cool 
experiences together that help bond you as well. Mm -hmm. Yep. So yeah, we were working together on the same team, same project, and we just connected and started a relationship and then worked together at that nonprofit for six months Mm -hmm. and then kept traveling together after that. And we are still doing that. (laughs) All of 2020, I've spoken to loads of people and relationship is something that a lot of I find a lot of single travelers and uh, and you ask the question why is that and stuff and it's like well do I really want to give up the the solo travel aspect the freedom and sometimes it's not easy finding someone who's got the same interest so uh, I get and some, I had one um quite well-known um blogger that came on um she was saying you know, people think, oh, yeah, when you go traveling, uh, she went on like a 12-month travel, you know, at the end of it, you're going to meet someone and fall in love, get happy, you know, married and stuff. But sometimes it doesn't happen. And because I've struggled myself because all the travels and stuff, and then sometimes you don't commit to a relationship. You're committed to sort of your next destination, your next next uh, stop and stuff. So um, I struggled in that sense. So it's great that you've managed to sort of find each other. Super lucky. Yeah, I think what was important is that we both spent time traveling solo beforehand. And I think that that's important because it is the the growth that you get through solo travel is really important. I think that you have opportunities to be alone and to to learn things about yourself and you and to do things that you want to do just the way you want to do it. And I think that it doesn't have to necessarily come from a selfish perspective, but it can just come from a learning perspective that that's what solo travel gives you that freedom, that flexibility. But when it comes down to it, being in a relationship while you travel and traveling as a couple doesn't have to mean giving up that. You get so access to so many more things like being able to share experiences and to create memories with somebody and to be with somebody who's just like you um, or can support you in these adventures. And so, you know, while all, all different aspects of travel have their benefits, so solo or couple or group, they're all worth experimenting and trying. But you know being in a couple i think that's a bit of a misconception from a lot of people that you know suddenly you're going to be in a couple and then now you have to you can't do all the things that you want to do because it's just like any kind of relationship a relationship is a compromise it's about doing things and and hopefully you're with somebody who shares similar interests anyway and so it's just getting to do that but with someone cool <laughs> that you can sleep with oh, God, <laughs> how pg are we <laughs> Um, I think also the fact that we met volunteering together really made a big difference because if we had just met in a hostel or on a tour or whatever, it might've just been like a passing travel fling, you know, just a few days. And then I'm going to my next destination. Okay. Bye. (laughs) And, but volunteering together was such a bonding experience. And we had that time to really solidify our relationship and decide and, and make that really, um, like, you know, educated decision. Are we going to continue this relationship and keep traveling together? Because Jules had a plane ticket to Europe and I was planning on going to uh, like explore more of South America. So we really had to make a compromise on what our future looked like. But having that foundation of relationship was like, okay, this is worth it. Like, let's, Mm -hmm. let's keep traveling together. You just mentioned that it's like the hundred percent sort of you, you get each other. Uh, I, th- I think that's another thing. So I-, I think that's what I've struggled with as well. So at least ninety percent. <laughs> <laughs> you said you were full time travel bloggers. Um, did you obviously you travel together? Did it just grow? And how-, how did you make it a success? It was a pretty slow progression to start off with. We 
were working in nonprofits. After we left our place in Peru, we, we continued to travel in Central America and South America for the next sort of 18 months, doing a bit of work here and there with different nonprofits. And we both had our own personal blogs that were just simple blogs to keep in touch with family and friends back home, like a blog spot or a free WordPress, something like that. And this was in 2013. So while we met in 2012, and so, you know, that era of travel blogging was very, very much in its infancy. Like there was a few travel blogs that had started before that, like some big ones that yeah. everybody sort of knows of, like Nomadic Matt and and uh, and Jody and a couple other people. But uh, really there wasn't, travel blogging wasn't a thing. There were no courses. Instagram was basically didn't exist. Like nobody used YouTube and did vlogs. So it was very much a sort of wild west in terms of content creation. And so there were a few travel blogs around, but uh, we were writing. We were both fairly decent writers, okay photographers, and we looked at some of the travel blogs that were around, especially for Central and South America. There was not really a lot of content, and we thought, well, we could probably do a better job than this. And uh, this, will, if we're both doing it anyway, we might as well combine it and join one together. And there was a little bit of sort of like maybe we can make some money from this or maybe we can at least extend our travels until we work out what we're doing. But there wasn't really a clear path as to this could be a career you could be a professional there was no such thing as influencers there was no such thing as content creators wasn't a term like this is you know it seems like it was 20 years ago but this is just sort of six seven years ago even like three or four years ago this you know in terms of the rise of the influencer so in that sense we just thought let's start a travel blog and let's see if maybe we can get a free hostel stay here or we can get a free tour and we can just keep extending our travels because at that stage we'd been traveling for over a year and a half, we weren't making any money. We were working in non-profits, which doesn't pay the bills. <laughs> <laughs> and so that was pretty much how we started. And so we launched the blog in on my birthday in, uh, in 2013, mid-July 12th. And since then, it's been a, a slow bit of a learning curve at the start because there weren't the same resources that were available now. Like there was no such thing as courses I mean, it's like it's crazy to think that we, it sounds like we're talking about something that's like a different era, but like it really is. Mm. Um, and so it was just sort of learning as you go along. And, you know, a lot of the people that we started vlogs with at the time have since dropped off and done other things. There are a few that are still around doing it, um, which is kind of cool because they're friends of ours that we've met around the world and done trips with and worked together on campaigns and have met at conferences and and that. But, yeah, in terms of getting it started, it was pretty it's a pretty slow start and until, you know, for the first few years at least. Yeah. Agreed. This, for example, my, my talks has been about eight months. I think you mentioned that it's, it's you can't expect to be, you know, rise to success within, you think, or well, within a couple of months or whatever. But, um, it takes a lot of time. You've got to be very consistent and, um, yeah. You know, it's a slow build. Um, you're not going to be an overnight success. You might have, by the way, um, years, you know, of practice. So you've been traveling for years and years and years. You might have been writing for years and years and years. Um, there's a saying, um, they say in Hollywood, don't they? Um, you might see someone that comes an overnight success. But actually, they've put in eight years of hard work into it. You just don't see that. So um, it's... <laughs> You're right in terms of, as you said, though, 2013, there wasn't many. I think 2006, five was something like the first time I heard about blogs. It was very, very small scale. And then obviously it started to build and build. And 
now you've got so many different i'd say in the last four or five years you're right the, the platform has just changed uh, but the, the question i'd ask you then is there's got to be some sort of unique selling point to yours that makes it successful because there's so many blogs out there and there's so many that fail as you said there a lot of people give up after a few years what i guess what keeps you going then is it the fact that you've got a different story to tell is how do you tell different stories so for us we were kind of just putting out content as we went like about the places we were going it was kind of just random we were focused originally on budget backpacking because that is the style of travel we were doing you know we were you know staying in cheap hostels trying to find cheap meals all of that so that's what we were focusing on but unfortunately that doesn't really pay a lot because you know there's not mm. that much money in it so we were kind of like playing around with what we could focus on as a blog. And we realized that the way we travel is sustainable. The way we travel is responsible tourism. And coming from that nonprofit background, especially on an international level, we were really aware of how tourism was affecting communities. So that was something that we really wanted to focus on on our content. And I think that really separated us from most bloggers, right? So that's kind of something different, like eco-friendly, green-friendly travel, responsible tourism. So we started building out that content and it was like a switch. As soon as we focused on that, as soon as we niched, niched down, down yeah. that was the turning point for our blog. We had a lot more brands uh, approach us to work with them. A lot more uh, destinations wanted to partner with us because we had a clear focus and because the audience uh, we were speaking to was really clear on on our point of view on these destinations so after that it was like full steam ahead let's go mm -hmm. and then we became uh you know one of the more popular sustainable and responsible tourism blogs yeah it gave us a bit more of a focus as well i think we, it was just as christine said we were already doing it and we just were kind of a little bit loose all over the place and it gave us a little bit more of an anchor to to focus on like to bring our content down to like some specific pillars of things that we wanted to focus on so a lot of our writing was already doing that we were already talking about traveling authentically and and you know having a non-profit background and things so you know respecting local environment and animals and and the local communities and that was all sort of ingrained into the content we were writing but we just weren't writing specific content for that like responsible travel guide to this destination or, you know, like really making that the, the focus of the articles. And so once we did niche down to that, that, you know, and adventure travel, combining those two, that really helped our focus. I think that's, that's key though, isn't it? That you've, got, you've got a real niche uh, that you just can focus on. I think sometimes when, uh, say if I did something and it was all over the place, you're right, your audience would be like, what is he? Is he a solo traveler? Is he a family? Do you get what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. having that one niche and then so oh yeah jules christine yep they're so and so and then mm -hmm. you get recommendations as you said their brands will pick up on it and go yeah i can see it now mm -hmm. so i think that's i guess one advice you'd give to someone starting off a blog and also I, i've also been told when you start a blog treat it as a business and not you know don't think of it as like oh, i'm gonna get this and this for free or whatever treat it as like your business as well yeah definitely i mean that's you need to start putting that stuff in from the very beginning. Start thinking about how you can monetize it, how. Because eventually it might be fun, but if it's a passion project, eventually it's going to come up against like real-time commitments and deadlines and it will be something that will fall by the wayside very quickly if you're putting on this work because people seriously underestimate the amount of work that you need to put in to be a successful content creator and blogger. They, they see the 
you know, it's like an iceberg. So you sort of talked about it before, you know, about somebody making it big, but you don't see the work that you're putting before. You know, it's kind of like that iceberg theory that you see the tip of the iceberg and you see all the the great Instagram pictures and the trips and, oh, you guys are living the dream, but you don't see all the stuff that's that's put into it. You don't see the countless hours and days of sitting around just in your sweats like writing out, mm-hmm. crunching out, you know, articles and doing keyword research and putting in all that work to build that. And so when people see, when they hear about like the amount of money that, that influencers charge for, you know, an Instagram post or something, they're like, well, you know, that just takes you like a couple of hours. And it's like, well, yeah, but you, you can't you can't put a price. I mean, you can if you logged every single hour, but it's almost impossible to put a price on the amount of time you've put into building a platform, whether it's a blog, a YouTube channel, an Instagram account, a TikTok, whatever it is, um, you know, a podcast, there's countless hours that you put in building that, that you're not getting paid for. So, you know, it's it's all about investing in yourself. And, and so when you do start something, you need to think about how can I make this successful? How can I make it sustainable? Because if it's not and sustainable with that, I mean, by the fact that it will pay itself off. Uh, if it's not, you'll just forget about it. You'll just let it go. And only do it if you really love it, because if you don't love it, you're going to burn out so quickly. So unless you're really into writing or photography or or podcasting or some sort of content creation, then it's really not worth it because you spend so much time working for free that you really could have just gotten a different job and then, you know, paid for your travels that way and, and still been able to have that kind of lifestyle. So really thinking about what your motivation is and why you want to do it. If you want to do it because you can travel, well, you know, there's plenty of ways to work online and travel at the same time that, you know, are way more profitable right off the bat. But if you do love the uh, essence of content creation, then it is pretty cool to, you know, be a blogger or a photographer, a writer or something like that. But it does take a lot of initial work to get it off the ground for sure. That is a a great point. I mean, we're in the era of the remote worker and the rise of, of working remotely. And I think if anything, 2020, I mean, we're in San Francisco, the tech hub of the world. So it's pretty, it's pretty common for people to, you know, we got all the gadgets and we got all the software and everything. It was a pretty easy transition for, to work remotely. And some people are already doing it, but for a lot of the, the rest of the world, a lot of jobs had to be forced to adapt, to learn how to work remotely, to work from home. And so we're seeing like a really, it's kind of, I guess this is like the second generation of, you know, people were doing remote work and digital nomads and that whole movement had already started well before this year. But now we're seeing even more so like the rise of, of remote work and, and people being able to have the opportunity to work off from the road. And so as Christine said, if you don't enjoy, you have to love, you know, content creation. If you don't enjoy writing or taking photos or being creative, then just get a different job and then you can work and you can do the same thing. Like you can work, you know, and you see that in digital nomad hubs all over the world. You see people working on, you know, e-commerce stores or you see people just working their normal job in sales from Bali or from Tenerife or from, you know, all these other places around the world just working a normal job where that they can do remotely so, yeah, and then you can still be hashtag Bali life. I think there's going to be companies now, but actually you don't really need an office space. Um, you can work, As long as you do your job, uh, there's just probably going to be more cases of, I guess, the internet security and things like that. But I think companies will go, actually, if, if we want to get custom in, you know, let's upgrade our internet and stuff. So I think more and more people will probably be remote working. And there's a balance then, isn't it? Balance with work life as well. Because um, sometimes I know I know more about the States where there's, it's quite a bit of a work culture, um, but 
Europe maybe and Australia, um, it's, there's a bit of a balance to it. So you're probably going to see more and more people, I guess, traveling and, and working. And that's, that's a good thing. So many people have had to work from home and companies have to go remote just out of necessity. And hopefully they'll kind of, you know, wake up to the idea that not everybody needs to be in the office full time. People can be working remotely and it, it, they're just as uh, productive. So it'll be an interesting turning point after all this is over. The BBC here did a uh, documentary a couple of years ago, I think it was, and the Japanese have been working remotely for many years. The only thing that affected them was their social skills. So uh, there was a scenario where the, the guy liked the girl, the girl liked the guy, and the presenter went, so you like them, like each other. So why don't you go speak to one of them? Like, oh, I don't know how to speak to them. Uh, it's like, mm. so we don't want, I guess there's a catch 22. There's got to be a balance in terms of social aspect. We don't want, I guess, the next generation growing up. I guess I've almost sort of seen it in this generation or well, the generation coming up now where they struggle to talk, the communication. So you don't want to go mm. completely that way where you don't see anyone. And that is like, we not saying it's a bad thing what the Japanese are doing, but you don't want to be in a situation where, the communication level has, has just gone. So uh, there's got to be some balance. So, but I, I'm sure it will be worked out um, in, the, in the near future anyway. So talking of evolving and stuff, you're talking about your podcast. You've got this unique podcast actually, where you don't really talk about successful st- travel and stuff. It's mm-hmm. more to do with, <laughs> you know, um, troubles when, when it comes to your travel. So, what gave you that idea? It's called the the Not So Bon Voyage podcast and the, the tagline is when things go wrong on the road. And for us, really, it was just about showing a different side of travel. Uh, we've been podcasting for not that not long now, probably about 14, 15 months. Um, and there just wasn't a lot of podcasts. I mean, now th- this has really been the rise of the podcast in 2020. Like the last couple of years, podcasting has got pretty big. But this has been the big year. So we kind of, I felt like we just got in, you know, six months before that. But there just weren't a lot of travel podcasts in general that are around. And there definitely weren't any any podcasts that were talking about travel disaster stories. And we like to be unique and we like to try to be creative and think about different things. And so when we were doing our research, we realized that there was just, there literally was not one podcast that talked about travel disaster stories. And from a perspective of, you know, humor but also like being able to learn about you know transformative experiences that people had through these experiences and also just travel tips in general as to you know here's a story about someone who got lost while hiking here's some things that you should not do you know (laughs) um and so we just wanted to explore that plus there was also like a ton of badass stories about these crazy travel survival stories about people who were in the andes like in the in the snow for 47 days and they survived and then somebody who fell out of an aeroplane from 10,000 feet strapped to their seat into the Amazon jungle and survived and then survived like another three months in the jungle by themselves as a 14-year-old girl. <laughs> like just like <laughs> crazy stories like that um, about people who have just really pushing the the will to survive. And so, yeah, we just we wanted to explore those stories and share those and, and uh, you know, we sort of throw them around with a lot of different stories sometimes occasionally stories of our own travels and our own mishaps and misadventures submissions from the audience which has always been fun we have guests on our show as well every now and then to to talk about some of their own crazy stories and so we just found that with those stories those are the stories that people remember and and hold on to and cherish and and if something doesn't go wrong while you're traveling then you haven't really <laughs> sometimes it doesn't feel like you haven't experienced something you're like 
you know, if everything just went perfectly and you're like, how was your holiday? It was good. I, I Everything went perfect to plan. Mm-hmm. Uh, my bags arrived on time. Uh, my hotel reservation was fine. I had all great food. I didn't get sick once and I came home. It's like, cool. <laughs> that was uh, that was fun. But when you, when you have something, you know, it, it might seem like it's terrible in the time, but when you look back on it, you can either laugh or you can learn something from it. And so those are the stories we found that people – sat around and told at hostels and came back and told their friends rather than the I went to the Coliseum and I got a great picture of myself and it was really cool. Like they told they talked about the guy, the taxi driver in Rome who tried to rob them and then they this happened and this happened. And they're the ones that people like listening to. So that's pretty much where the the concept for the show came from. And it's been great. It's been it's been a really fun uh it's been a fun sort of year and a bit. Yeah, it's been a fun experience to uh, stay connected to the travel community and still share those stories and kind of keep that travel spirit alive. Mm-hmm. But I started mine during the lockdown as well. In fact, I started it on Instagram originally, and it just sort of evolved onto onto YouTube. And I, when I was looking into it, I wanted to bring on something quite specific. So a lot of people don't really talk about real aspects. Of, you were talking about um, situations that go wrong. So certain things. So places where like in South America for example you know there's it's not all you know happy clappy sort of stuff you see situations in Venezuela or Colombia and stuff um you know you might come across stuff in China for example that I've come across and um so I wanted to bring a sense of that so get the guests to talk about themselves of course yes um it's, it's their story to tell um but also there's there's stories that people just don't, I mean again this is the thing about Instagram maybe as well where I felt as though there might have been too much superficial stuff going on and where we get in the real stories behind uh, a lot of the lot of the travelers so I thought why not try and get people to tell their story you know the person behind the camera or the person mm. in front of the camera you know you don't really get those stories mm-hmm. um, and it seems to have worked you know I've managed to make it into some sort of a success i've had some notable guests as well along the way uh, and they've been really good and you know they've been very happy to talk about all sorts of stuff which has been great um relationship is one of them actually as i said to you earlier so um so yeah and w- what would you say your your uh, not so bon voyage moment was oh you must have a few then <laughs> yeah we talked a few I my go to one is always getting dengue fever in Cuba. <laughs> that was a horrible time. I just got really sick and we just had a bunch of issues in Havana because uh the Obamas were in town visiting. So the entire place was booked out. So we had issues with accommodation and then we ended up I ended up going to the hospital for 4 days and was very ill but i survived so yeah. all's well that ends well but it, it wasn't a fun time but yeah it was, a, it was a bit of an ordeal yeah. just uh being in this dodgy tropical diseases hospital <laughs> just outside yeah. of havana and getting christine getting transported in this rickety old uh ambulance out there and then having to spend the next four days in this hospital that looked like it was out of a resident evil flickering fluorescent lights in dark hallways and mm-hmm. completely empty and yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and fun. you're feeling like crap yeah and what would you say yours uh, yours was jules then well just a, a stick story as well we we've been pretty fortunate in the sense that we haven't had anything too bad in terms of robberies or, or accidents like we've had a lot of friend, friends that have come and shared their stories in the podcast or, or talked to us like i had one friend who was hogtied and 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 robbed at gunpoint in Colombia and another friend who was in two bus accidents within two weeks in Cambodia and like crazy things like that. But 
for us, it's mostly just been, we've been pretty fortunate in that sense, but just being sick, like I got really, really sick in El Salvador uh, one time when we were backpacking through there, eating some some dodgy fish and and spending, you know, like a good three days kind of just in a hallucinating state of just being completely out of it and living on the bathroom. <laughs> the more you travel, I think I found my biggest ones have come when I've gone away for a longer period of time. Uh, this is if you've gone for a week maybe or two, uh, you might be not as, uh, you might be more cautious. But I remember when I, my biggest one a couple of years ago where I went away for a couple of months. So I did. I went from my, uh, the Balkans through to Central America, to South America, then through to Asia. Uh, I remember my card got swiped in, I think it was Brazil or Colombia, I can't remember. And then I, I was in Dubai and then I was about to, just about to eat my dinner, literally is about to put my fork into my food. And then um, with the UK, there's this uh, bank that you can, everything's all online. So you'll get a notification if there's a withdrawal or anything. And it came up saying, you've withdrawn $300. And like, I looked at it, I thought, what? $300? Someone's- yeah. And then you think, oh my God, I've just been cybercrimed or whatever. And then you try, and places like Dubai, obviously, with my network, you know, you can't call through to your bank. And so I was like, can, can I ring the bank, you know, back home and stuff? We're going to have to charge you $2 a minute. I was like, oh, I can't afford that. I was on a <laughs> tight budget as well. So um, but eventually, the bank was fantastic, by the way. When I said to them, I'm not, and I think the withdrawal was done in Florida. So whoever swiped it, obviously they sell your details mm-hmm. wherever. And so it was done in Florida. And I, and I they said, can you prove that you're not in Florida? I said, yeah, yeah. Showed them my hotel and plane. And I was flying to India the following day as well. Um, but, you know, we've got, I think we've all got those if you've traveled for a long time, if, if, especially if it's 10, 15 years or whatever. There's, there's tons of tons of stories. So um, what sticks out in your mind then from a guest that, um, did, you, did you say you interviewed someone that fell out of the plane or did you say you know a story about? No, no, no. That Yeah, no, that, that woman... Uh, I think she's still alive. She was um, Swedish or something. German. German. Uh, this is just a famous story. Her name is Juliana Kopke. And she was a young girl traveling uh, to meet her father who was working in the Amazon. And her plane, the plane she was on just combusted, basically. And she she fell 10,000 feet onto the ground still strapped in her seat perfectly intact the rest of the plane was just you know like you know just debris and she was perfectly in her seat and then she had to survive being in the amazon by herself who knows how yeah uh, then she had to you know survive being in the amazon by herself and eventually was found and rescued but that's a really great story insane story yeah. yeah So go listen to that episode. I don't know, remember which what number it is, but yeah. it's really good. Awesome. And where do you want your podcast to go? Because obviously you've been done for a few, you know, a good while. Do you want it to be enough to sort of be full time? Ideally, it makes us a lot, a lot of money, and that can become a full time job. But you know, we're pretty. We we have a lot of different projects going on, and the podcast. Whether it, we spend a bit more time working on it this year when we couldn't travel and. It grew pretty well. Um, whether or not it becomes our full-time job will, will is yet to be determined. Um, we're not sort of really pushing hard for active sponsorship or things like that at the moment. We're just happy happy sort of growing. Um, and then 
um, I don't know, for the future. Well, we always have 10 million projects we're working on. We are yeah. not able to sit still and only focus on one thing, which is probably to our detriment. So we are working on, you know, multiple things. So I don't think we'll ever have one project that's like our full-time job. Mm. And that's the only thing we focus on. But obviously, it would be nice to earn money from the podcast. And- well, in saying that, though, we we did actually, because of the podcast, we actually we actually got a second podcast coming out. Uh, which we can't talk too much about right now because we're working in collaboration with a, a tourism board on that project at the moment. But that, I guess that's something that the podcast has indirectly given us. So our experience working in podcasting and building that as a brand and obviously our experience building our travel brand in general has uh, allowed us to pitch a, a podcast to sale. So that's kind of cool. Well, yeah. that's the thing, you see, because, you know, when I started this, I had not much experience. So someone watched someone watched my show and offered me a job on radio to host a travel show on radio so that's awesome it's an opportunity yeah absolutely and then in august i think it was uh, i was obviously if it wasn't another year um i would have been in new york for it so um someone i actually applied for to be a host on uh, not a host sorry, i applied to be a guest on the panel but they said no i we saw you we've seen you hosting would you be interested in hosting it? So it gives you opportunities to do, you know, something might come out of it. So, uh, again, as we were just saying, though, it's like you're building your portfolio, aren't you? So uh, people will see it and go, oh, he's done the work. You can see how much effort he puts into it. People who are in the creative world will know how much effort goes into it. So um, I guess it's all part of your work, isn't it? All part of that portfolio. You just never know. Yeah, yeah, I mean that's that's a great way to describe it. A portfolio, like we are just acquiring a skills like skill set after skill set over the years, and working. They kind of all really come under this media umbrella, and specifically travel in a, in a sense. But really, like we're just acquiring these skills. So it started with you know writing and photography, and then learning blogging and learning you know the intricacies of building a site, and then SEO, and then social media, and then you know, video editing and then just slowly you just keep picking up. You know, you, sometimes you feel like a little bit of a master, of, you know, of none, yeah. um, <laughs> but, you know, jack of all trades. But, you you know, that's just part of being an, an entrepreneur and, you know, you just you sort of pick the things that are people leaning towards at the time and you focus more on those. And, you know, when a few years ago when we came back from Cuba, we, we wrote a Cuba travel guide that was really successful and uh, that worked well at the time and then, we just then we just done with it. <laughs> we just like we, yeah. just, we couldn't be bothered updating it, and we're like, well, we're sort of done with that project. And if people were trying to do all this crazy Amazon outbidding stuff, and we were just like, fine, we're done. Next project, and mm-hmm. uh, you know, you just you just roll the punches and you keep you keep moving on, and you know that's that's kind of where where we've gone this year in terms of different projects, and now we're we actually one thing that's separate that we're working on is we actually created a, a creative agency, like a digital marketing agency. And that's where we, we focus most of our attention now, um, especially during this year. And so that that's something that's been growing a lot in the last six months. And that's pretty much our, our main focus now. So that that's why sort of some things you focus on at the time and some things, you know, it's a, it's an ebb and flow about the podcast. It's kind of more of like a side project at the moment for until we see what happens with it. And, and our main work is this creative agency. I think one of the things with podcast or, or vodcast or whatever, you can record quite a few in, in a row. So I, I do about, I think a couple of weeks ago, I did about eight in a row. Well, it's like every day I was doing like one or two or whatever. And then you can, it gives you time 
to do whatever else afterwards. So I remember when I was doing the lives, I found it very difficult because obviously it had to be live and, you know, um, you had to be on a time scale. But with these, you could just schedule it. And then, for example, I think I'm all scheduled up until like middle of March, I think it is. So it will give me time to work on other things and then mm-hmm. maybe do another recording maybe in late February or early March or something. So it just makes it easier, I think, uh, mm-hmm. going forward. Is what we don't do with ours. Mm-hmm, yeah, oh, we, we're pretty last minute. No, nah. we should, but we're kind of just last minute people. <laughs> one advice I can give you, actually, just do the get bang, 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 get one week of it all done, and then you can dish them out whenever. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, no, we, no, we, we know. definitely yeah. need to do that. We just uh, we just have so much up in the air that it's like just trying to get it all done. But, yeah, I mean, that's great advice. Yeah, we're taking we're actually taking a few weeks off. We've, we've done the podcast every week. A couple of weeks here and there, we've missed it um, with something on, but we've done it one one show a week, every week uh, for the last sort of sixty seven weeks. Before I let you go, so, uh, I have to ask you about some of your travels. So, any other specific travels that always sticks in your mind? So many. I so mean, many. let's see. Uh, the Philippines was definitely uh, has a, a big place in our heart. We volunteered there for six months and then also got to travel around. And that's like one of the most beautiful destinations mm-hmm. in the world, like most beautiful beaches. Did a motorbike trip, mm-hmm. bought a motorbike when we were there and used that for, for working like around the town that we were volunteering at, but also did a lot of trips Uh through motorbike, which is cool. That was a lot of fun. Estonia road trip was good fun. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a little bit different for us. It was the furthest north I think we'd ever been. We'd, we're mostly summer beach type people. We like to follow the sun. Uh, so going to Estonia in like September, October, wasn't like super crazy snowy, but that was a cool experience. Yeah. Um, and then Bali, we spend a lot of time mm-hmm. there living in Bali and we love it there. It's just very cool culture, very laid back, very it. nice people and just gorgeous. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a beautiful island. So yeah, those are our main places we love. One one question actually, whilst you were talking about, uh, what will happen? If, I mean, I don't know, obviously, if you had a family, would things change then? Would you have to evolve that way as well? No, we'll tell you Great when we question. get there. <laughs> we we'll, don't know yet. We'll We're, work it out when we get there. We do have plans <laughs> to have a family, but we are just going to take it bit by bit and see how it goes and we're, we'll, we will never stop traveling but we probably will settle down eventually when the kids need to go yeah. to school well but actually you don't necessarily have to i had a family come on they live in dubai but they're traveling with their kids all over the world and it can be done uh, again i think because of the remote work situation uh, they can go wherever so mm, yeah. yeah that's definitely yeah. a possibility I mean, it can be done i mean i used to be a high school teacher we both like come from education background like we're We'd be more than confident in teaching our kid, but there's a, there's a certain skill set, like we were talking about earlier, that you know kids, especially during that key socialization stage in their early years, that they miss um, from not having stability with education and friends and things like that. And so that's something to weigh up. Not not putting any judgment out there to homeschoolers, but you know sometimes homeschool kids grow up a bit weird. <laughs> Don't say that. Just. No, we'll, we'll just see what happens with our family. I don't know. Everybody, but yeah, it'll be interesting. By the time that happens, by the time our kids like are school age, it'll be interesting to see what kind of technologies yeah. and different th- creative ways mm-hmm. to live are. So it's awesome. We're excited. Any hobbies then you guys have outside of traveling? I mean, you said you do a lot of photography and stuff, but any specific things that you stick to? 
I like draw and paint a little bit, but not just, that's just for me. So <laughs> not anything I put out into the world and yeah, things like that. Yeah. It's like to stay fit and active running, surfing when I can, if when the weather's warmer, but I like to stay active. Mm-hmm. Come to the end of our chat. So it's been great having you guys. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Thanks, thanks so much us. for having us. Yeah. No, thanks for coming on. And uh, just before you go, uh, just let us know where we can find you guys. Our blog is at don'tforgettomove.com. And then on social media, we are don't forget to with the numeral to move. And our uh, podcast is not so bonvoyage.com and social media at not so bonvoyage. Yeah. If you've got a travel story of when uh, something went wrong on the road, hit us up. Yes. Amazing, guys. Well, George, Christine, thank you very much for coming on. And uh, I'll speak to you very soon. Cheers, yep, mate. Thanks so much. See you, buddy. You can follow my guests on all of their social media platforms. The details are in the description. That's it for Take a Wonder with Shebs. Don't forget to follow me on all of my social media platforms. Until next time, bye for now.